it's your girl Maya K. I am so excited. So this is season three. Um, I really have to thank God for season three. Season two um, was amazing, but season one was where we kind of hit that that rough patch. Um, I lost my co-host. Um, not not in a. Uh, let me rephrase that because I don't want you guys to think she passed away. <laughs> um, my apologies, but you know it was kind of hard. Um, that's what business is when you partner with people. I said that before. You just have to see what works. So we don't, we were only able to do four episodes. And then um, God turned everything around in season two. And I'm so excited about that. We had Peter Paros from the Have and the Have Nots. Um, we had some really great people. Lyris Cross, who is uh, the first Plus model winner of Project Runway. And she's dubbed the Naomi Campbell of Plus. Um, we also had Carver Hagens, uh, the Grammy winning uh, producer, who's worked with everybody from Keisha Cole to Mariah Carey. Uh, we just had some really phenomenal people on. And for season three, my first guest, which I'm most excited about because I just feel like Reagan is one of the most underrated uh, actresses in the business. Um, I, I also appreciate her because, you know, she is she a little she a little chocolate thing. And, you know, I was growing up and I needed to see those images on television. And I was able to see um, her as Zaria on uh, The Parenthood. And I was able to see others. And then when Boys in the Hood, you know, entered the scene, I was able to see Nia Long. And that was important for me because I would always hear you're cute for a dark skin girl. And um, although she is, you know, mixed, it's still just the representation of her complexion. And for me, I'm not a, uh, this isn't about, especially as someone who has worked in Hollywood, this isn't about like that color thing. Um, there's no black on black here, but I just, as a young girl, remember needing to see that because of the, the kind of compliments I would get. And so I really have always loved her. Uh, she killed it in Dysfunctional Friends. I'm, of course, I'm going to read her bio, but you guys know how I do. I like to really drop um you know my own little pieces into the bio um but it was it was family shows that I grew up on and they were precious and they meant something and they taught lessons and so you know uh, she was, uh, they, well, their show, not just her, was a part of that WB lineup that I loved. You know, you had Sister Sister. Um, and I always talk about the Friday night ABC lineup with TGIF. And you had Family Matters and Boy Meets World and Hanging with Mr. Cooper. So um, we're going to, you know, jump into even asking about that. You know, how do we feel TV has changed and family shows just aren't what they used to be? Um, and of course, she was on one on one. I think you guys have to remember she played Flex's, uh, well, his character's little uh, sister. And um, it was just great to kind of see her continue to maintain. But Reagan and I connected personally um, in 2013 when I taught in South Korea. And um, she was doing crowdfunding for her web series, Almost Home. And I, I hope I got that right, Almost Home. And it was, I really liked the pitch. I liked what I saw and I contributed. And so part of the contribution, uh, depending on what level you you um, contributed, you got a Skype call with her. And so we ended up Skyping with each other. Like we had known each other for years. And I mean, it was just amazing. And it was just for me a moment, um, just remembering that the people who you admire, who you were inspired by, God can bring it full circle and allow you to you know connect with them in some way um so i'm just going to go ahead and read her bio and then we're going to jump into our first portion but i just want to thank all of my supporters for the keys to the game podcast it has been like i said a long journey but this is i, I believe my podcast is the perfect example of when you hit an obstacle you have to find a way around it sometimes god will test you to see if you will still do it whether you have your co-host or support or money or not sometimes you just have to do whatever you know vision whatever he gave you to do or whatever vision that's um in your your heart um 
So Reagan Gomez was born in Detroit, Michigan, and was involved in theater and modeling at a very young age. Her family moved to Philadelphia, Pennsylvania, and that's when Reagan's love for acting really took off. And this isn't in her bio, but I always like to acknowledge this, that she went to, uh, you know, the world-renowned, I like to say, Freedom Theater, um, which is a very great theater here. Unfortunately, Freedom Theater has um, been closed for a while and is very heartbreaking, but it has cultivated a lot of talent um, when it comes to theater and acting. I mean, I even think they had a dance program. Um, but she and her mother would travel back and forth to New York for auditions and jobs. Uh, Reagan was doing so well in New York, she and her mother decided to take their chances in Los Angeles. They rode the Greyhound bus from Philly to Los Angeles. And within two months, Reagan had representation. She booked a Disney TV movie in a regular role on a show for a brand new network, the WB. And that show was The Parenthood. The Parenthood lasted for five seasons. She continued to work in TV and film, appearing in Jerry Maguire, ER, That 70s Show, Beauty Shop, Love Don't Cost a Thing, Never Die Alone, Queen Sugar, and more. I'm very happy about Queen Sugar as well because it's a great representation of a Black family, in my opinion, on television. She's also a staple in the animation world with the regular role on the Family Guy spinoff, The Cleveland Show, and a recurring role on Steven Universe. In 2010, Reagan wrote, produced, and starred in her first short film, This Time. Soon after... She wrote, produced, directed, and starred in two seasons of her web series, Almost Home. The show was about a brother and sister who left Chicago for L.A. after the death of their mother to pursue their dreams in music and fashion. At the time, Almost Home was one of the only TV shows, well, I'm sorry, one of the only shows on TV or the Internet with original music and performances. Reagan's next project was a zombie apocalypse drama called Surviving. She wrote, produced, and directed the show about two black sisters trying to survive a new and dangerous world. Surviving was nominated for a Gotham Award in 2016 for Best Original Series Short Form. Reagan continues to work both in front and behind the camera, but Reagan's true passion is creating original scripted content starring women of color. After 25 years in the business, Reagan remembers how limited the roles were for her and women like her, and she's doing her part to create more interesting characters and stories starring marginalized communities. And her and Nas must have that same kind of melanin thing because I'm like 25 years in the business where she looked 25 and Nas up here looking 21. Like, what's up, Reagan? Tell me what y'all, what y'all doing with y'all skin. (laughs) Welcome to the show. (laughs) Uh, Hello. Hello. And my goodness, thank you for having me. And that was an amazing um, introduction. Girl, I don't know. I just be drinking water and waking up every day and try to do the best I can. Right. Right. Cause I'm like, I had to read that again. Like, 25 years in the game that's pretty you know <laughs> extensive so but as they say black does not crack um but I'm just so happy to have you on like I said growing up you were the representation that I needed to see um on television especially because you did play a teenager um and so it was so mm-hmm. important and I just think things have changed so drastically for our children because now instead of a different world you know with all due respect no shade but they have loving basketball I mean a basketball wives not loving basketball I mean that was actually good but mm-hmm. basketball wives and they have loving hip-hop you know and so um it, it's challenging but we're going to get to that but first we're going to jump into our first segment called in the news okay. and I want to actually talk about because you've spent a long time in Los Angeles and yeah. um, Nipsey Hussle's death was 
heart wrenching to everyone, whether you were from LA mm-hmm. or not, or lived in LA for years. And so yeah. um, I wanted to just talk a little bit about Lauren just recently shared a heartfelt message to um, Nipsey's sister on Instagram, mm-hmm. which was very nice and moving. Her birthday was uh, August 1st. So her and Nipsey both are, you know, Leo's, his birthday is coming up. And it, it seems that the pain, um, even when I was living in LA, I felt like there was a dark cloud, just not just mm-hmm. near his store, but period. So I just wanted you to talk a little bit about how it affected you as an actor who has lived in LA for years, if it even affected you at all. Um, well, I've known Lauren for years just because Black Hollywood is so small um, and you see each other in, you know, at auditions and at events, you know, and so I've known her for a while. Um, we're not super close, but just the fact that, you know, like I said, you see these people at auditions and you catch up and, you know, yada, yada, yada. But it was just, you know, heartbreaking because he was such an icon in Los Angeles and the Los Angeles um, area and even cities that are, you know, outside of Los Angeles. We all knew who he was. Um, And I um, didn't really listen to his music. I have, you know, since his passing, but I'm on Twitter a lot and involved in like, um, I think I could say I've created um, kind of an activist um, community online. So anybody that's kind of um, doing things to help the community, I I know about. So I knew about his um, entrepreneurial um, feats and his his business um, way before I listened to his music. And that's how I knew who he was. So, you know, his murder was just a, it was definitely a loss um, to the city, but also to... um, I think black uh, entertainment um, culture, if that is even a thing, um, because, you know, he stood out and he stood out for, for a reason. And we were all supposed to kind of, I think, look at the things that he was doing, especially since he, he was, you know, you look at videos of him when he was younger, he was on this page before he even started, you know, making music or selling his music, you know, so it does, you know, we're supposed to, um, I think, expect, especially after him now, we do kind of expect, you know, great things, like what LeBron James is doing with his school and, you know, expect that from, I would hesitate to call, you know, musicians leaders or athletes leaders because they they got into, you know, the careers that they're in just to do that. And I think it's unfair to put that added pressure on people who didn't ask for it. But it it is inspiring to see somebody like Nipsey or somebody like, you know, LeBron or even, you know, Oprah has been doing that kind of stuff for a long time. But there are a lot of people who give back to the community who we don't hear about it. Um, you know, Jay-Z and Beyonce have done a lot of that, you know, under, uh, you know, without letting people know. So, and I'm sure there's a lot of other people who are just, you know, doing stuff and, and, and giving back and supporting their communities, their local communities, and nobody will ever know except for the people that they help. And that's amazing as well. So, yeah, it was, it was, it was a huge loss. Right. Now, were you able to attend the BET Awards this year? No, no. Okay. I usually don't go. <laughs> okay, it, but it I was going to yeah. do you think that they honored him um, correctly? I know Master P has some things to say, and everybody has their own opinion, but I thought it was nice. They, the, the carpet was blue. Um, and from what I understand, he was already getting the award before he had passed. That was something that was like, oh, wow. Oh, wow. That's what I heard. It was. I think some people think that they did it just because he had passed. 
but you know, there's only, there was like a three month gap between that time frame, And so mm-hmm. um, usually they have, they already pick out their humanitarian award. You know what I mean? The recipient. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, and mm-hmm. So I thought they honored them pretty well. Um, I think also people have to consider it's a very sensitive area for their, for his family. And I think when you look mm-hmm. at it from that perspective, people have to understand that sometimes people are okay with you just doing one song and moving on because the more you honor and, and they see it in this like repetition, it just brings back the pain. So sometimes it's like people want like this two hour tribute and it's like, well, maybe for Lauren, cause she was already getting ready to break down with just the song, you know, maybe for her, it was just like, okay, that's enough. Like, you know, it doesn't always have to be this like long drawn out tribute just because it's already like such a sensitive thing. And some people just want to respect and honor the family. Um, so speaking of, okay, my second topic, speaking of Nas, since I brought mm-hmm. him up in relation to you guys and y'all skin, mm-hmm. uh, Lost Tapes 2 just dropped. I don't know how big of a hip-hop head you are. It dropped two weeks ago, and there have been some mixed reviews. You can definitely mm-hmm. tell um, You can definitely tell that some of those songs, was like he was like 19. You can just hear it. Um, mm-hmm. So <laughs> I'm like, yeah, that's definitely not something, you know, 40-year-old Nas. So are you a hip-hop head, and what are your feelings about the album if you heard it? And if not, you know, no big deal. Um, I am. Um, I haven't um, uh, listened to the new album. Um, my husband, you know what, I have to say, like for the last like maybe five years, I've switched out listening to music for listening to podcasts. So if I'm at the gym, if I'm driving, you know, with my kids in the car, like my daughter literally has to tell me to play music because I will either be listening to the news or listening to podcasts. So I haven't had a chance um, to check out this new album. My husband likes it. Um, and of course, Nas is, you know, a legend. Um, so is the album him like remastered old songs or is it new material? So it's, it's, it's similar to the lost, the original Lost Tapes that he put out 17 years ago where there was certain oh, okay. songs that did not make his albums. And so because yeah. they didn't make the album, he like pulled it, you know, from his collection. He said some of them yeah. are 15 years old, some of them are two years old. And so he said mm-hmm. it's kind of because you get to listen to it and play this guessing game where you figure out, oh, mm-hmm. when, did he make that? when did he make that? And so, no, they're, they're, mm-hmm. unreleased songs, but they're all just songs that were recorded. That's why I said some of them, I'm like, yeah, he was a kid. Like, you could just hear right, the material right. the stuff he's talking about. It's so different mm-hmm. from what he made about on his last two or three albums. But I think it's cool because it's a full body of work. Um, some people, like I said, they're mixed reviews, but yeah, they are unreleased songs. And I think that that's exciting because I felt like his last album, Nasir, you know, it only has seven mm-hmm. songs and I felt cheated. Mm-hmm. So I was like, oh, okay. really, you know, I know that's how Kanye mm-hmm. knew it because everybody who came out under Kanye only had seven songs. But I'm like, but Nas, you ain't put out album in six years, so you know, you giving me seven songs really wasn't the but deal. But you know what? That whole, that whole, because that, because you're making me remember that. That's right. Nas, Nas came out, and then um, Tiana oh, too. Oh, yes, thank you so much. So, and I felt like he didn't do her right either because I loved, I liked her album a lot. But you know, even she said that like she had more songs that she thought was gonna go on, and she only had like seven, six or seven, maybe eight songs as well. So. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah, I'm glad. Good for him that he put this up. All right. And then lastly, so um, of course, um, I'm always respectful of uh, actors and people in entertainment. Um, some of the people that, you know, I bring up in the news may be friends, um, but they just announced yesterday that Jason Mitchell's character will be killed off the shy. And I think that was pretty much a given. Um, but in, I don't really care to actually about Jason Mitchell. What I would like to talk about, though, is as a woman in Hollywood, um, how did you, you know, 
because I you've talked about this before, I think, on The Breakfast Club. And I think Charlamagne was like, you know, you and your husband be low key. We don't hear nothing about y'all. And mm-hmm. you was like, because that's the way we do it. You know, we make sure we protect our family. We stay out of the way mm-hmm. and we just focus. So, you know, um, how did you yourself, if you if you were able to, because I don't want to assume that you didn't have that experience, but how were you able to stay safe and, you know, not become, I, I don't want to say a part of the movement because we're all a part of the movement just in support, mm-hmm. but how were you able right. to stand up against bullies and men who wanted to try you because you were young when you moved to Hollywood and, you know, even though you had your, your mom, it's still like, how were you able to um, navigate the waters and from the sharks and the people who make you feel like you got to mm-hmm. sleep with them? Right. Um, I think I was really lucky, actually. Um, uh, I think my introduction to Hollywood uh, being um, the parenthood, it was a very um, close-knit set. We had kids on the set, and Robert was our leader, and he was a great leader. You know, we prayed before every taping. Um, So we were sheltered a lot, I think. I don't want to speak for everybody else, but I know I was. We were sheltered um, a lot. And when that show ended um, is when I really got to see, you know, how other sets are and people getting, not even just predators, but like how, you know, crazy uh, sets can be. Um, People, you know, directors getting cussed out on sets by the actors and, people just wilding out just things that I'd never really seen um or at least I wasn't privy to on the parenthood um but it definitely was a uh something that I had to learn on my own and it's hard enough being a young woman period because no nobody really has these conversations with you whether you're going off to college or getting in the work for workforce or whatever so I just kind of had to learn on my own um I've been in Hollywood for 25 years, so I've definitely heard my uh, my fair share of sexist comments or racist comments or felt, you know, um, <laughs> been on sets where I was the only black person and felt uncomfortable or even dealt with like hair and makeup people who, you know, did not know how to do black hair or you know, black makeup, you know, every, literally every black actress has a hair and makeup story. Right, right. As far as predators, yeah, but as far as predators go, um, I've been pretty lucky to be quite honest with you. Um, and those are just things that I've had to learn on my own. Um, but I do know of other women and girls who were not so lucky. Um, I don't know. It's hard. It's really hard. I I think we're, I'm thankful that we're in a place now to where um, women or men for that matter, children and and all of that, uh, we're in a place now to where um, you don't have to necessarily just rely on the studio or the specific show or your agent or whoever to do something about your safety. You have, we have the internet. And, you know, especially when we look back at so many of these stories of how, like, shows knew that someone, a particular person was, was, was violent or predatory or harassing other, you know, cast members or crew or agents knew that, you know, that whatever was going on and studios knew and they did nothing. You know, in this day and age, you can, um, you have a way to protect yourself. I even think about, like, Terry Crews and how, you know, he, everything that happened to him, it 
you know, his agent knew his, you know, his agency knew his friends knew this was not a secret in his circle. But it wasn't until like he came out after me too. he came out and told his story that things really kind of started to move because of course, you know, everyone's eyes are like on his agency or on, you know, this particular agent. Um, so I think we're in a good place that we have, um, I guess, recourse. We have things that we could do to protect ourselves. But of course, that is after the assault or whatever has already happened. Um, I don't know. We're still trying to figure it out. Um, and, I, you know, I've, I've been lucky. I've been lucky. I think what you said was so true. And, and actually, that was, um, you know, great kind of full out answer um, in general, because I always say that it's good to hear the good stories too. You know, we want mm-hmm. for people to say, like, I think that what happened was there was an assumption in the air. Um, because I remember even Charlemagne, every woman that came on the show after that, he would ask them that question, like Lynn Whitfield. And I mean, she made a good point. She said, you know, I was raised by women and I was raised to mm-hmm. stay in the safe zone. <laughs> you know, and the safe zone means if you call me at two o'clock in the morning, I don't understand why I'm coming to your hotel, you know? And she was like, you know, I was still a woman who was raised to, you know, dresses below the knees. And so she was just explaining how not blaming, you know, the victims, but she was just saying, um, you know, as women, that sometimes for some of the younger girls, what she was preaching was you just can't want it that bad. You know, like even for someone to say, well, if you do this, uh, you know, I'll give you this part. And then you just say, OK, well, I agree. You know, you, you have you, to but like, you know what, even like to kind of push back against that. Like, I remember when, you know, the stories about Bill Cosby um, came back around because yeah. um, because for people, I guess, who knew him, I didn't know. But like my mom was like not surprised and had heard stories and, yeah, you know, um, but yeah, but like people were asking, like, why would these women go to his house? Why would they go to his hotel room? I've had auditions at hotel rooms. I've had auditions at people's houses. Um, And it's funny, uh, Jesse Smollett, he did an interview on um, Jesus and Meryl. um, And uh, he said, I think for one of his callbacks for Empire, it was at, um, not Tyler, Lee Daniels uh, hotel room. And he said he called his agent and it was like at like some crazy late hour. And he called his friend or somebody like, look, I'm going to this hotel room. If you don't hear from me again, this is where I'm going to be. You know, so he was letting people because even he was like, okay, this is kind of crazy. But like, this is a callback for a show that I really like. And I feel crazy about this. So let me call my people and let them know I will be here. So if y'all don't hear from me again or whatever, y'all know this is where I was. Um, So these things happen because Hollywood doesn't necessarily have, you know, nine to five hours or whatever it is. And we're just we're just talking about actors. Like for me, I've never had an audition like at 10 o'clock at night or whatever. That does not mean that those auditions or those whatever that they they don't happen, though, because you're talking about a business where, you know, the higher ups or whatever, they're flying all around the country, all around the world. And maybe, you know, you've already had two or three auditions and maybe the director is in town only for two hours or something. And you have to go meet with them at nine o'clock or at the house or at a hotel, you know, those kind of things. This is the business that we're in. And that's just for actors. That's not even talking about music because music is a late night 
all yeah. hours of the morning, drugs, alcohol. That is what music is. And it's, it's, there's a bit of a separation. So, you know, whether your dress is above the knee, the knee or below the knee, whether you go to somebody's hotel room or you're at their office building, it, it really doesn't matter. Um, just knowing that these people are out here. And they are in positions of power and they know how to abuse that power. And there's a whole system set up to protect them. That is what needs to change. Right. Absolutely. But I don't think that was what she, I think she was talking about the conversation because we, we can't Mm -hmm. be blinded by the fact that there are conversations that go, if you do this, I'll give you a part. So she wasn't even talking about Mm -hmm. auditioning. She was just talking about the conversations that do place with women who you know Mm -hmm. with some women just okay they're okay with it so that's you know her thing was she wasn't saying because she wears her dresses below her knees she's never been in that situation she was just talking about her upbringing just as a kid and you know Mm -hmm. you're right like you know there are certain things that happen I know this just just living in Hollywood for the past year nothing's traditional but I do think we have to so acknowledge that there are instances where some girls and, and Megan Good has shared stories not about herself but about um, just people that she not that she knew or knew of and she would give advice to young girls if they tell you you'll get this part for this reason or if you sleep with them don't do it mm-hmm. so I think it's just mm-hmm. acknowledging that there are so many sides to the narrative um, so yeah but I mean I love you know your feedback on it and I think mm-hmm. um, what you said is, is true it's also the atmosphere yeah. you're under a, a very a, a family-based show you know god was present he prayed so there was yeah, just a lot of yeah. difference yeah so um now going into today i want to talk a little bit about tv today and um mm-hmm. because you grew up in a family show what do you feel mm-hmm. is missing from television today especially as it pertains to shows of color um and then in that same uh like mm-hmm. question and what would you like to see more of um you know, I think I, I I think we're in a great time um, for TV, and my my oldest is twelve, so I like I watch a lot of TV with her. She watches actually a lot more TV than I do, just because um, you know running around as a mom, <laughs> I have a bunch of other things going on, so I don't get as much time um, to watch TV. But when we do, it is shows that we love. Like we just watch we watch Pose together. We've been watching Pose since season one um and we love that show we love that show um we watch grownish um um i haven't really gotten into blackish but i know it is a phenomenal show um but i do watch a lot of reality tv too um and we're into horror so we watch a lot of netflix there's this really great um netflix show called um oh gosh it's about a about a haunted house and a family the haunting of Hill House or the haunting of Hill Manor or something. So I think we have so many, like, what is TV nowadays? It's, it's so much more than just your cable or, you know, whatever. You have Netflix, you have Amazon, you have all these streaming sites. Like, you can find what you want. And I really appreciate um, uh, Netflix for having so much Black content. Yeah. Whether you're, you know, you know, whatever you're into – you can find it on Netflix and Amazon is starting to get to get a lot more uh, black content. I think Barry Jenkins has a show in development um, at Amazon. I know Lena Waithe has a show in development at Amazon. Um, Hulu is trying to pick up their black content because they don't really have a lot that I know. No, they don't. (laughs) Yeah. Okay. Good. Okay. Cause I was like, I don't know. I don't really watch Hulu like that, but um I'm really happy with where TV is, and I 
feel like um, because of uh, Black Panther and because of, you know, um, uh, Into the Spider-Verse with Miles Morales, I feel like the boxes that Black directors and writers have been forced into are being busted open or like, you know, you don't have to just do, you know, hood, hood dramas, which I love hood dramas, you know, but that's not all we are. You know, yeah. we have we have so many more other stories um, that we could tell. So, you know, I I really like the Black Lady Sketch Show. Of course, I love Insecure, which is not coming back this year, and I don't think Atlanta's coming back this year either. But there's there's I'm happy with where TV is, but I I want more. <laughs> I want a lot more. Even when we talk about you know animated shows, um, I I want more, and I know I'm not the only one thinking that. Like I I feel even with animation into the spider-verse was such i think into the spider-verse hopefully does for animation what black panther did for black filmmakers in that into the spider-verse you know he didn't turn into i don't know a frog 15 minutes into the movie and he was a frog for the whole rest of the movie or a pigeon or whatever we got to see him not only did we get to see him he we got to see his black ass family with his um his uh, uh, Afro-Latinx mom and his dad and his uncle, we got to see black, the blackness that surrounds him and loves him in addition to his Spider-Man family. So, you know, um, my daughter could probably tell me more about like what's on Cartoon Network or, or whatever, but, and, you know, I know there's a lot more um, black content out there as far as animation goes, but we just need more. We just need more. Um, I I love everything that you said. The only thing I would like to see more of, and it's funny, Peter Paro said the same thing as family shows. I think our, like Mm -hmm. your daughter is able to pinpoint some shows that she loves, but when I was teaching uh, the Philadelphia uh, school district, um, a -hmm. lot of kids, they they watch YouTube. They don't feel like there's anything on television for them. Um, Or Netflix, Mm -hmm. even, they they weren't even able to name anything. So, so, I mean, that doesn't mean they don't watch TV. I mean, of course, you Mm -hmm. have Mm -hmm. some kids are allowed to watch a little bit more mature content but for the average person mm-hmm. where you know, when we were younger we had that diversity of okay this is a kid show this is family show whatever you know when you right, got a little older right. world, college student you know whatever you kind of had your variety and so that's the only thing I wish we had more of today's parenthood but you know what like that like I know I know I know what you're saying you're saying as far as like um and that's kind of the hard part because when we were growing up we only had you know what a few channels and then cable <laughs> the content is so spread out that that content is out there. You just kind of have to find it. And the bad thing about having so much content on Netflix is that they don't really promote it. You just have to stumble on stuff. Yeah. So if you're like, you know, my kid or me and we're here on Saturday, we'll go on Netflix and be, and because I'm on Twitter too, so I'm kind of aware of like, you know, what's coming out via, um, What's that black Twitter, um, that black Netflix account that's on Twitter? Is it black, black lead? One, one of them, one of them sites. Between, yeah, there's a, yeah, that site and then Shadow and Act. They're always like keeping me abreast of like new black content that's coming to Netflix. So I kind of know, okay, well, when we get home, we're going to watch this or whatever. But, but like you said, other people may not know that. But I do know that, um, either it's Disney or Disney XD, they have a lot of family shows. And maybe people don't look at them as family shows because it's a kid's network and maybe adults don't really feel like, well, I should be watching this show too with my kids. 
But I do. Like, there's a show called um, Andy Mack that's on there. That's great. Um, Raven's Home, uh, which is with Raven Simone. She plays a mom now. And they have a lot of great family shows on there. I consider Pose to be a family show. Yeah, they are. They're comedy. I guess yeah, what I'm yeah. seeing other dramas. So, and I guess oh, that's what well, I was like just... that hour long content that we, and I know a lot of what I mentioned was half hour, like Parenthood, Sister, Sister, yeah, those yeah, were yeah, half yeah. hour, but I just really would love to see a black family show kind of taking over, uh, you know, the main networks the same way they do anything else. You mean like, you mean like, Empire in a more positive light, like Empire in a more positive light. You mean like, um, you mean like, uh, kind of like how Soul Food was. Did you ever watch Soul Food? That show? There you go right there. Like that hour long where you don't have to right. have an account to watch it. Like if we can get back into that, you know, mainstream circuit where we don't necessarily, and, and it's nothing wrong with having Netflix and Hulu because they're cheap, but I just mean, that's what I mean. Like to me, um, I feel like a lot of gotcha. procedural dramas and cop shows, you know, things like that have yeah, taken that's over true. and that's dominate. True. What I will know? say, what I will say is, um, I definitely consider Pose to be a family show. Now, can you tell um, me? They can, can you tell us how to spell that? Because you're saying it, and I've never heard it, which is weird. What, can you sure, spell it for Pose. Sure, it's Pose. It's P-O-S-E. Okay. It is on FX. And Got it. Scarlett and I have been watching for. Um, they're on their second season. They just got picked up for their third season. But basically, the show centers um, uh, LG, black, LG, black and brown LGBT youth. Um, and the first season was about black LGBT youth in the 80s in New York City. And a lot of them getting kicked out of their homes as teenagers and having to create their own family. And the second season um, is about, uh, like in the first season, you know, they talked about Donald Trump a lot because they're in New York and in the 80s, Donald Trump was the man. And this season, it's the 90s. And they're talking about um, Vogue, how when Madonna had that song Vogue, what it did for, you know, the Black LGBT um, community. And that show is absolutely about family. It is about Black and Brown. And they, there's a lot of um, Black, Latinx, um, trans women on the show. But they create their own family because they've been kicked out of their households or they can't get a job or whatever. So they create their own family. They're, they're sitting down, having dinners. They're helping each other when people need help and when people are in dark places. We love that show. Now, I'm super progressive. I'm super left. I'm super like all of that. So I want my daughter to be exposed to that kind of content as well because it is about black family and these are black stories and i think when we talk about you know family shows we have to expand what it means to be a family just like one of the shows that i talked about on a disney andy mac she lives with her grandmother she doesn't even live with her mother so you know right we need i, th- I think when it comes to you know what families are what families look like so many of us have you know kids that we know of who live with their grandparents or live with yep. their aunties or, or whatever, or have a family member in jail or, or a family member dead or something like that. Like those families matter too. So I totally get what you're saying. And I, I, you know, I think we need those kind of family shows. And especially if we're going to expand what family looks like, I definitely think those shows will never go out of style. 
Right. Um, so I want to talk about on a family show. I want to talk about your role mm-hmm. on Queen Sugar. Um, I actually love that show and the show that I pitched to MGM based off of my young adult series. Uh, they both in, they have they have in common is the um the legacy and so mm-hmm. I, I tell them all the time it's very important when you speak of family to teach children about inheritance and leaving something right. for your children so if you could talk a little bit about your role on queen sugar um how you landed it and you know how you feel being a part of that and how you feel it positively represents the black community sure well i haven't been on a lot um the last few seasons the i had the most um episodes in season one um and I basically yeah I'm I'm, uh well season they don't really go into um my job or anything in these later seasons like I did one episode um this season um but in the first season um I'm an activist and I meet um Nova um as she's out you know she was an activist too as well um and we meet and we become a couple and we wind up breaking up um, and everybody's like, oh, my God, you need to come back to the show. Um, but I just, Queen Sugar is such a gorgeous, nuanced, complicated show. And this is a black family show, like, you you know, you were talking about. And, and I even love that, you know, Aunt Vi's character, because how often do we get to see black women over 40 in romantic relationships being fly, you know, just always the hair done, dress, you know, outfits on point, and she's a business owner, and she is loved. She is loved. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And she right. has romance. We never get to see that. So, and even the different, you know, they tackle um, colorism on the show, and, you know, even with um, uh, all of the stories, you know, for the characters, you know, on the show, from Charlie to Nova, to uh, Ralph Angel and and even Darla, Darla's um, drug drug addiction, like that show is just so gorgeous, and I'm just blessed to have even been a small part of that show. I just auditioned for it, like everybody else. I just auditioned right, for right. it, and I got it. And you know, it was cool. After I got the part, Ava called me, and she was told me a little bit about the character. So I was like, oh, okay, well, maybe I'm a little bit special since Ava called me, you know. <laughs> right, right. That's what I, I was about to say, well, you see that double on your <laughs> So, yeah, I always have a great time whenever I go down. Um, I Doing the show was my first time going to New Orleans, but the 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 – I guess the most special thing about the show is that they only have women directors. And as someone who is a content creator as well, just like you, somebody who's directing, um, I, my spirit is so full every time I go to set. And I always find myself um, shadowing the directors that are on set. Like when I got to go for season, I wasn't on season three. When I got to go for season two, I got to shadow Julie Dash, which is, I mean, I did, it, it doesn't get better than Julie Dash. If you know her history and her, you know, history of, of, of being a director. And, and, and I believe she is the first black woman to write and direct a feature that was in movie theaters back in the 80s with um, Daughters of the Dust. So to be able to shadow her and Nima Barnett and so, so many of the other um, women that I got to shadow on set um that was just a dream come true for me so the show is dope the show is great very good content and 
So I want to talk about your upcoming projects um, that you are writing or producing on your mm -hmm. own uh, so that you can let people know how to support. I would love for you to just talk about anything. Um, now, with Almost Home, um, speaking of your mm -hmm. own projects, was that like was season two the end of it? Did you end it on purpose there or were you trying to? Come Girl, back. I had to. I haven't. I haven't ended it. I just have not had. We don't have the money to continue. And when we when we stopped, um, when season two wrapped, um, I made a conscious decision to kind of do a one eighty and do surviving, just to show people the kind of content that we made over here, the kind of content that I, you know, that I like to write, because I didn't want people to necessarily put me in a box. So I just said, you know what, let's just fuck people's minds up and go completely, I don't know if we could cuss on a podcast, but go completely 180 and do something completely out of the box that no one would expect. And that was um, our zombie apocalypse show, um, Surviving, because one of the things that I love just as a, as a fan of content, as a consumer of content, I love horror. I've always loved horror. I love horror. I love sci-fi. I, lo I love fantasy. I love magic. But those are some of the genres um, that uh, Black content creators haven't really had a lot of access to. And especially when it comes to horror, the only Black people we see in horror films usually die in the first five minutes. And that's kind of like a, a running joke. But I, I I love horror. So I wanted to do Surviving. Um, and um, the only reason uh, I haven't done any more um, seasons of that is because I've, I crowdfunded for, like you said earlier, for all three of those projects. And it's hard work. It's a lot of hard work. And I'm really trying to get to the next level to, you know, I think I've done enough for, I've done, I've done enough quote unquote free content for YouTube or Vimeo or, or whatever. It's, I need to get to that, that next level. And that takes a little bit longer. Um, but that, that's, that's where I am right now. And it's funny because my sister-in-law who plays queen on almost home, um, there is this dope battle rap scene that she had in season two. And I think that came out 2014 and we posted a clip of it on Instagram and everybody was like, Oh my God, you know, I remember that show. I used to love that show. I love this song. And I love that song. We had original music on the show. And now thinking about it, I'm like, we have so many black women rappers out right now that we did not have back then. Yeah, and even yeah. it's just crazy how things change just in a matter of like four years, four or five years. So I'm, I've been doing a lot of thinking about, almost home a lot of thinking about almost home and how kind of you know i think we were ahead of our time because empire was not on tv yet right. um and we had original sh music on the show i've been doing a lot of thinking about that show so i'm kind of you know yeah, i've been doing a lot of thinking about surviving um as well um but i'm leaving the door open because i never closed the door on either of those shows and i would love to bring them back in some other capacity um or if somebody wants to pay me to <laughs> turn them into create them turn them into actual shows, I'm down with that too. So the door is not open on either of those shows. Or I'm sorry, the door's not closed, I should say. Right. 
Right. No, and, and it's great. I've really enjoyed I didn't get to see season two, but I enjoyed season one. I really had fun and it was a perfect amount of, you know, content as far as timing for each episode. Nothing yeah, too long. Yeah. You got the gist of what you were, were trying to do. And I think it's just a matter of uh, you remind me a little bit of speaking of another Freedom Theater alum, uh, Erica Alexander. Um mm-hmm. because she on her own thing with the uh, superheroes uh she's creating yeah, this black yeah. and stuff. yeah it's it's funny that you said that and i think it is just a matter of continuing and at least you've like i said planted the seed i like to say that mm-hmm. a lot you have it so you have something to show someone who may be interested in right and i'm it. so do you have a role that you didn't get that you wish you had gotten um and if so you know what was it and what did you learn from that experience Oh, girl, so many, so, so, so many. I'm not going to say which ones, but I will say I've had multiple occasions where I went to audition for something and I got a call back and I auditioned again and I wound up not getting the role either for a TV show or film. This has happened to me multiple times. I will get a phone call from the director or from the producer. Like, we loved you. We loved you and we would love to work with you on something else or the only reason you didn't get it is yada, 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 yada. But just know I fucked with you. Like I've had that happen on multiple, more than I should be happy about to be quite honest with you. But yeah, you know, it happens. And, and, um, casting for surviving because for almost home, I pretty much just call my friends and, and they they said yes and they came to work but I had to cast for surviving and and casting really gave me a different perspective on auditions because you only have one role to fill and there might be you know out of the 25 50 people you see there might be like 10 that are fantastic and you have to pick mm-hmm. one right. and it's not to say that the other you know nine lacked in any way you just have to pick one um so that gave me a lot of perspective on um auditions and all of that okay um well it's funny the reason why i asked that question i interviewed um karima westbrook from all All american she plays grace james on the cw Mm -hmm. show we actually became friends and i interviewed she was my first magazine cover story thank god and um she had a very interesting, and, and, and I mean, I can share it because it's in the public eye now, but it was funny. Mm-hmm. It, 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 that question is hard to answer. Of course, you've had roles that you didn't get, but she was just talking about one audition she went on for Dream Girls, but she knew she couldn't sing. <laughs> I was yeah. cracking up. Like, yeah, That's girl, hilarious. you knew. <laughs> but she was just <laughs> saying her a lot about just, you know, being honest, you know, you may want a role, but it just doesn't fit you, you know? And so that's kind of, I probably should reshape that question for my actors to say, like, when I say like, what was it? And what did you learn? Like, what did you learn from going to an audition? You should, you shouldn't have really (laughs) gone to. Um, So now I want to just talk about longevity and uniqueness. Um, If you could talk a little bit to young aspiring actors who want to be in your shoes um, Mm -hmm. about how their uniqueness will help them with longevity in this industry i think some people uh, really fail to realize how um you just being who you are and sticking to that truth is really what opens doors for you and not necessarily conforming to trends or whatever the case may be mm-hmm. um hmm i think um young actors 
nowadays, they have a bit more freedom in that you can go up to an agent with, you know, content that you've created, already created for your YouTube or Instagram or whatever. You can come to them with something um, Mm. instead of just going up to them and being like, will you represent me? Which that right. still happens too, obviously. But I think, uh, you know, young actors have a l- more access because yeah. just being on Twitter as much as I am and, and, and Instagram as well, like people are so, these kids are so creative. You have to understand yeah. they have had access to the internet for their whole lives. Yeah. <laughs> their whole lives. And they have had access to smartphones for like half of their life already. So, you know, they are able to create whatever it is that they want to create. Um, so I think there is a level of um, power that not everyone, you know, because not everyone can go viral, but there is, there is a level of power, um, like power plays that they have in order to get, you know, representation and even to have, um, I guess, a lasting effect on their careers. because. Yeah you don't necessarily need a TV show or need a film to get your artwork and your talent out there anymore. Right. Now, right. you know, and obviously studios come with a nice check and bills have to get paid and all that kind of stuff. But I think that, 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 that young actors and young creators are in a really interesting um, time. Um, as far as longevity, look, we're, we're all figuring it out. We are all figuring it out. Um, I know of a lot of actors um, who were acting in 94, 95, and 96, 97, who are doing other things because, you know, times got hard and you can't keep, you know, hoping for that audition or whatever if the rent is due. That gets really old after a while, especially, you know, in this business where, you know, those of us who were around in the 90s saw black content disappear in the early 2000s. We yeah. saw black content disappear. And, um, you know, now it's back. So, yeah. you know, I think uh, newer and younger actors and younger content creators have the benefit of being able to see how, you know, those of us who lived through all of it, how we were able to sustain, how we were able to stay in it, how we were able to stay passionate. Um, and I also think people like Ava DuVernay and Issa Rae and Lena Waithe and Ryan Coogler, they saw that happen as well. So yeah. I think there is a, a more intense push now to make sure it is sustainable, that it is not just a trend, you know? Right. So Absolutely. it's funny. I was talking to... um. I did an interview with Jason Weaver on my my podcast, Reagan Alvin's podcast, <laughs> and he it was the same kind of thing, you know, with him. And being that he went from you know playing Michael Jackson to The Lion King, and that alone, those two roles alone, should be enough to solidify any actor to like, you know, whatever whatever it is that you want to do, you should be able to do it. And he worked a lot after that, you know, TV shows and stuff, just like me, but we remember how dry it was in the early 2000s. And it's like, what do you do if you're an actor and you still have to pay your rent? What do you do if you're a mortgage or you have kids and what are you supposed to do? We survived and we figured it out. But, you know, now with this resurgence of black content, it's about being smart and um, 
I guess, seeing the mistakes that maybe I hate to call them mistakes because Hollywood is white as hell and, and they didn't want to give black, you know, yeah, black content creators opportunities. So it's not like people are out there making mistakes, but I just think we have to be smarter. And I, I think we're heading in the right direction to where it's not just one. There are right. a bunch of people and right. they're opening the doors for a lot of other people. And that's how you have to do it. So that's right. what I would say to young people, create your own content. Um, if you're only an actor, get a producer and a writer or try to create your own stuff and open the door for those other people because there may come a time where you're not able to get work and that director that you, you know, I don't know, said, okay, I want to do this film. Can you direct it for me? That you got to, you can look up that director and see where they at and say, hey, remember me? Uh, I kind of need a job. Like, that's kind of how it works. You know, it's yeah. about your friends. It's about people you know. It's about people who you're coming up with. Right. Um, all right. So I have two more questions and then we'll jump into the game. But I want to touch on something so key that you said. Uh, one, mm-hmm. uh, Issa Rae said that. She said, so many people, they asked her this in the interview. I can't remember the question, but her response was, so many people come to me and they're like, oh, I want to work with Ava. I want to work with Oprah. And she was like, no, my friends were the ones mm-hmm. who helped me with the web series. And those were the people I could call on. And even to this day, even now that she has a show on HBO and she's spreading her wings and acting and doing her thing, she was like, if I go back to, you know, create a web series or something, my friends are the ones I'm going to call. And that's the problem with most young content creators. They jump in and they want to work with Tyler Perry, which there's nothing wrong with that because you have to, you know, have ambition, but you have to remember the people to your right or your left are the people that are on the same level as you who might not charge you or, you know, y'all can mm-hmm. work together to help each other. You get a writer, producer, and director. Um, right. That was one point. And the other thing I wanted to touch on, I was able, when I first got to LA, I went to, um, I think it's Hollywood Confidential, the young gentleman who puts on those Hollywood Confidential events. And it was really cool. Mm-hmm. Uh, Ralph, I, I always mess up his last name, but Ralph Fraquar was there. Um, mm-hmm. Okay. Mm-hmm. And uh, Mayor Brock Akil, and they were honoring him. And mm-hmm. um, Mayor Brock Akil said something so powerful and it stuck with me she said um as a young you know actor writer whatever concert creator it is your job to if you want to have longevity in this industry to do whatever it takes to um succeed and pursue your dream and she said that includes financially and i love that because so many people wanted to laugh at the gentleman who you know worked at trader joe's from the cosby shows i forgot his name is slipping me but i'm like Mm -hmm. you do First of all, Trader Joe's, they pay good. I don't know what y'all talking about. Uh, yeah. mm-hmm. I'm trying to get in there as a manager because as long as you have a bachelor's degree, you actually can go in as a manager. And so everybody mm-hmm. laughed at him for being on a Cosby show. And, you know, they tried to put his picture, you know, they put his picture on um, the Internet trying to blast him for working at Trader Joe's. But it's like, yeah, what do you do when you're in between? And Michael B. Jordan even said that him and his best friend, Stilo Brim, were filling out applications at Jack in the Box after he had done um what was it the red, wire. Red te- no the wire and mm-hmm. the other one that tells mm-hmm. um mm-hmm. yeah and it's like you guys have to understand that um and that's why i love what mara mara said you have to do whatever it takes financially so for instance i start my new job monday and yeah mm-hmm. of course oh congratulations thank you yeah you remember i sent you my resume girl listen i, <laughs> I know it was a couple <laughs> years ago 
always like, well, Mike, you just was living in LA and you was living a dream. And it's like, wait a minute, I'm about to be a member service rep at a bank. I would love to be in mm-hmm. banking because it's going to teach me about my finances. Being with them is going to help me get a home loan and refinance my car. I have to think for the long term, but I can still write. Right. It doesn't take me mm-hmm. from the art. And so I love that you, you know, you kind of pointed that out. You young actors do have an opportunity to kind of create mm-hmm. your own weight. But just remember that multiple streams of income is what we're looking at today. <laughs> so right, right, I just kind of right. back off of a lot of what you said. Yeah. Um, uh, okay. So your dream role, what is a dream role that you have in dream collaboration? You know, who is someone that you would love to work with or a dream role that you have? I know you, um, mm. you do, you have done like the voiceovers, the animation and you've done some good things. Yeah. So, yeah. So um, I don't really have a dream role. Dream role. What I do have is uh, stories that I would love to direct. Whether yeah. there are, it's so funny in the notes on my phone. Anytime I hear of a story that sounds interesting, I'll jot it down. Jot it down, or if I think of something that's interesting, I will jot it down. I definitely want to do some animation. I want to get into TV. And you know what's crazy? Like when I was growing up, it was um. If you were a writer or director for TV, you just stuck with one show, whether it's, um, except for maybe Aaron Spelling. Aaron Spelling had maybe two or three shows. Yeah, and he was like one of the only like kind of celebrity TV people. Like you knew Aaron Spelling was from, you know, 90210 or Mellow's Place or whatever. If you heard his name, it's like, oh, okay, I'm going to check this show out. Kind of like how Shonda Rhimes is now or you know, Ryan Murphy or, or whoever the big wigs are as far, even Ava DuVernay, as far as, you know, TV goes. Um, but I rarely saw, uh, writer, uh, writers and directors or creators of shows, I should say, who had multiple shows that I knew of anyway, and watching the way Ava DuVernay is moving and especially watching the way I would say Lena Waithe more so for me, um, watching the way Lena Waithe is moving, creating multiple shows, and also acting here and there when she wants to. And I just think that shit is so dope. So instead of a dream role, (laughs) that is kind of what I want to do. And even expand into animation and all of that and it's bounced from genre to genre. Like I have one show about horror, another show that's just about um, I don't know, the future. And then this cartoon over here is about family. And, you know, that's really what my dream is to be able to bounce around from show to show, you know, that different shows and content that I've created and be able to definitely do what Ava's doing as far as only hiring um, women directors. Um, So that is kind of, that is, you know, I'm kind of taking a little bit from here, taking a little bit from there, adding my own stuff on top of it and like figuring it out, you know, because that's another thing about, you know, having so many um, black creators. We need so many more because even in comparison to the other white creators that are out there, we just pale in comparison. But even looking at the ones that we do know, right, it they are literally breaking down bar- barriers for us. So, like, we say, okay, 
you know, I love what Ava's doing over here, but this is how I would kind of do it different. And then, boom, you get your chance and you do it different. So then someone else can look at you and say, I like what Reagan is doing. It kind of reminds me of what Ava and Lena were doing, but I'm going to do it a little bit different. And then they get that. So you're literally breaking down barriers the more people we have out there doing it. So um, to answer your question, like I don't have a a dream role. I just have dream stories that I want to um, create. And it's funny. So does that, because you mentioned Ava and Lena, Mm -hmm. um, does that include the other part of the question, your dream collaborations? Oh, oh, I forgot about, okay. Um, okay. I just thought maybe they were it because, hey, that's a great line. Dream (laughs) collaboration. Um, Whether whether it's a or whether it's a director, whatever the case may be. Yeah, I don't really have, I don't, listen, I'm a Taurus. I like doing shit by myself. <laughs> I, I like kind of staying in my own, my own lane. Even when I think about like, the, you know, Almost Home seasons one and two, I just call friends, you know, we didn't have, you know, crazy big producers on it. It was just me and my husband and the same with surviving. I'm kind of comfortable in that, like just the two of us, me and my husband, that's my producing partner just doing, you know, all of these, you know, telling all these stories. Now, the fun part does come in when you're casting and when you can think about, um, oh, who would be dope for this role and who would be dope for that role? I haven't even got there because my passion is just about the story first. Yeah. If that makes sense. No, I feel you. It's always the story. Yeah. Yeah. So for um then my last question is actually about family but not about your family per se it's about balance mm-hmm. and i want you to give you some mm-hmm. tips for people who are it's a you know balance in this industry is a wicked beast and so many people fail at it you hear about divorces mm-hmm. and things like that so i definitely want you to give three tips for um anyone who's chasing a dream whether they're actress uh director producer that you can give them three tips that you have helped you maintain a strong family balance while getting ahead in hollywood but prior before that i just wanted to say like for me um when I think about the Clover Chronicles, the second book to the series mm-hmm. just came out Friday. The first book was the one that I pitched to um, MGM. And I literally mm-hmm. have a whole dream cast. And it's like, because mm-hmm. I know that this show is needed and mm-hmm. it teaches the principles from entrepreneurship to inheritance because the father inherited his, um, you know, his grandfather's winery and, you know, their, their mm-hmm. whole you know, business. Um, and mm-hmm. so I literally have someone for every role. And then I always mm-hmm. said, I want Reagan to play the best friend to mm-hmm. the mother. So, I have like the main cast. I have the little recurring mm-hmm. character. <laughs> like I just have a full That's cast. hilarious. Well, know, listen, just- if you don't, if you don't have the vision, nobody else will have it. So you yeah. have to have the vision for at least for your own project. So that's great. And even if, you know, it was brought to the table and they're like, oh, well, you know, you're your first timer. We'll give you a budget. We'll, we'll do two out of those eight. <laughs> but it's at least, mm-hmm. at least right. I'm giving them something to work with, as you stated, so that they can, right. you know, kind of I'm, you know, kind of excited just to see whatever happens with it. And I'm not going to wait on Hollywood, as you said. It's just a matter of, because I know from learning from you and others how hard it is. You don't want Mm -hmm. to have to start and stop because of finding blessing is that a lot of my content that I dream of turning into TV or film is based off my books. And so I'm trying to use the book money and, you know, saving that. Yeah. So, um, all right. So go ahead and, you know, answer that last question. Um, talk about, you know, give 
three tips for individuals mm-hmm. who are, you know, chasing a dream and they just need, how do you balance, um, have that strong family balance while trying to get ahead in Hollywood, whether they're married mm-hmm. or not, but definitely give some tips for married women. Um, sure. So I can't give three specific, um, tips, but I'm just gonna, just gonna say what's on my heart right now. Um, like I said earlier, I did an interview with Jason Weaver, you know, um, about his career, the fact that, you know, the Lion King was just remade and he was the voice of the original Simba, the singing voice for Simba. And we really just talked about how, um, cause none of us are from, neither of us are from, um, Los Angeles. He's from Chicago before I moved to LA. I'm from Philly. Um, but both my parents are born and raised in Detroit. So that's where most the majority of my family was. Everybody's moved around since then. But when we first came to California, we didn't have family here. And growing up and, you know, growing out of teenagehood and into young adulthood, we really created family for ourselves. And he actually lives in Atlanta. Um, most of the time, but he comes back and forth to LA for auditions, but he still has a lot of family here and not even blood family, blood relatives, just people that he has connected with, you know, being in Los Angeles for 25 years, you know, in Compton and South Central and wherever he has people who have his back, who, when he's not work, whether he's working, whether he's not working, he can go and chill. Um, and it's the same for me. Um, you know, my husband's family, they are not in the entertainment business. I mean, his brother and sister are, but his mama's not, his auntie's not, and they're from uh, Southern California. They're from Pasadena. So it's great when we work, you know, they can watch. Maybe they won't, but it's like, listen, are you coming to Christmas? Are you coming to Thanksgiving? Because you need to go get some ice from the store, and then I need you to pick up some, some plates, and then I need you to get, so how the kids doing? Okay, when is their soccer game? And, you know, you need that family, whether it's your blood family, whether it's your spouse, whether it's girlfriends, you know, your guy friends, your homies, whatever, you have to create a sense of family um, to balance things out. That's what, that's what I've learned. And that, that, that's what, um, what helps me, you know, when it's pilot season and, you know, I haven't booked anything and it doesn't matter. Cause when I get home, you know, my kids are still hungry and, you know, they have to get to soccer practice. And that is the stuff that I love to do. Like when I talked to you earlier, like how I really get out of my bubble, unless it's for auditions or whatever. I like it like that. I like it like this. I love my kids started school yesterday and today they have soccer practice and I like this part of my life. Also, I love working as well. And that is the balance that I'm, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm doing pretty good. I don't know who has the exact perfect balance or if there even is a such thing as a perfect balance. And I also think, too, it's kind of weird that we only, um, not you, but just in, in general, when we talk about how to balance things, we only really talk about women. We don't really talk about men who are also fathers. They're not expected to balance anything. They just kind of do. And I think that's what women need to do more of, just just do. Just yeah. We're all figuring it out. Nobody has the, a, a book on this. Nobody has the rules just do we're all figuring it out we all have one life some things you might have been into last year you might want to have a completely different career this year and you know we're all trying to figure it out figuring it out and it's okay I think we need to give ourselves a break sometimes 
Um, and understand that we don't know it all. We will make mistakes. We will mess up. But we know who we are. We know who we love. And we, you know, we know what's important to us. So I would say create a community for yourself where you can be loved and supported. Yeah. And that is that your you, balance right there. I love that you said family creating it. Because sometimes your mm-hmm. family doesn't go the journey with you. Like Tia and mm-hmm. Tamara to have you know uh the parents that went with them and you your mom went with you but that's not always the case and right. so you have to create a sense of safety and family for the people um that are in your mm-hmm. life and god to the right people to make sure especially if you have children that you have the right spirits around your children that can right, you know, pour right. Into- you're right you're right and I'm really big on that because I was a living nanny in LA. And so I'm very big on that, like being, you know, people creating. And so for the listeners out there, when you know, just know that um, you have to uh, accept, you know, love and family and whatever package God sends it, it may not be blood. And I think that's essentially what mm-hmm. um, I can say. Yeah, All right, yeah. girl. That was amazing. Okay, it's mm-hmm. a game time now. I'm going to run through this game because okay. I know you for a while. Um, it's 10 questions, but it's going to be fun and quick. Okay. And I think you're going to get both of these right. I really do. So, okay. uh, question. A Different World was a spinoff from which other situation comedy? <laughs> the Cosby Show. Very good. All right. Crazy Eyes is a character from which Netflix drama show? Orange is the New Black. Go, <laughs> girl. I don't even watch that. I didn't even know that one. <laughs> The only reason I knew is because I've been watching. I, I don't watch the show anymore. I haven't watched like the last four seasons, but I watched like the first few. So, yes, that's the only okay. reason I know. <laughs> okay. In 2006, a star from which sitcom was blacklisted due to um, a racist tirade? And just to give you a hint, he was on stage. He did like this little skit. Oh, uh, what's, his name? what's his name from um, Seinfeld? Right. The show is Seinfeld, right. Michael. I don't remember his name. It is Michael, but the show is what they were looking for. Yeah, so you good. Yeah, Seinfeld. Yeah. Okay, legendary Kramer from Seinfeld. from Seinfeld. Yeah, yeah. Legendary singer Diana Ross's daughter was a star on which situation comedy? Girlfriends. Yes. Which show, based on the life of the infamous Pablo Escobar, has been criticized for glorifying the drug trade? Um. Um, it's on Netflix. I know it's not Queen of Sal- Yeah, yeah. Uh, we watched it. Um, oh fuck! What the hell is the name of that show? We watched it. Um, uh, one word. One word. I know. Yeah, I'm trying to think of it. Hold on. Um, <laughs> God damn it! We watched that show and it was so good. Ugh. it was like two years ago. Hold on. Wait a minute. It's not Cartel. What the hell? Nothing. Well. A hint is the, what, le- what letter does it start with? I was going to say its name is a symbol of what they call it in the police department. They call it nar narco, narco. Yeah, yeah. narco. <laughs> I was say, they call it narcotics. Yes. <laughs> so great. I just realized it when I was looking at. It. I was like, oh, I could give her a hit. <laughs> That's hilarious. Um, yes. What hospital does the show Grey's Anatomy take place in? Oh, girl, I have no idea. I know it's <laughs> Seattle, though, right? It's Seattle, somewhere yeah, in Seattle. It's Seattle Grace Hospital. It's called Seattle Grace Hospital. Yep. Three. Oh, okay. There you go. Right. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> what type of dog is Scooby Doo from the cartoon series Scooby Doo? Oh, Lord. Um, it's funny. 
A Doberman? He's a great Dane. He's a great oh, Dane. Oh, I never would have guessed that. Right. I, just, I mean, I, mean, I guess I mean, like looking at. Yeah, I guess looking at him, I could see it, but I never would have guessed it because you know it's the cartoon version, so it's not. Um, but but yeah. thinking about it, I could see it. I could see it. Okay. South Park is one of the long-running shows in TV history, and it is still on air today. And what mm-hmm. year did it make its debut? Oh Jesus! Sometime in the in the late nineties, or uh, it had to be late nineties. Um, do I have to pick a specific year? Yes. I mean, you could just throw a guess out there. Let me see. 90, 95. 7. It was 97. 97? Oh, okay. All right. Yeah, you're doing good. Um, okay, some more. Which television show featured an episode centered around the riots that ensued after the assassination of Martin Luther King Jr.? I'm going to give you the name of the episode. I don't know if that'll help you with the show, but um, hmm. it's called the episode is called "The First Store," and it was a flashback episode. Flashback, I'm sorry, episode from the 1980s season of this show, but it was basically centered around the riots that ensued after the assassination of Martin Luther King. And I thought it was very interesting because I learned something new every day. Um, I'll give you a hint. It's also okay. It falls in line with some of the shows we grew up on, so it was it was around that whole Good Times era, or or it, it so, fell in line with Good Times show type thing. Was um when did when was the show on? What did you say the eighties? It was the show was from the eighties. Well, this episode was yes from the nineteen eighty season of this show. From and the nineteen eighty nineteen eighty or nineteen eighties. Well, it says from the 1980 season, so I'm thinking it's just that that season, like 80 to 81. Okay. Do- okay. Yeah. Um, the store, hmm. they were moving on up. I'll I'll even give you that. Good time. <laughs> no, the. <laughs> Lord, the, I don't know. All in the family. The Jeffersons. But you, well, you said you said didn't you say the Jeffersons? I was like, well, she said the Jeffersons, so that can't be it. I thought you mentioned I, them. I said like, it? You, maybe you mentioned. I, I think so. You said it was like in line with the Jeffersons. Oh, I know. And I, said I was, it was like, the, okay, well, that ain't it. Oh, I heard yeah. the Jeffersons. That's why I said good times. Well, that, that <laughs> I was like, okay, she said the Jeffersons. They gotta be good times. Oh, yeah, that no, is hilarious. Then that might have been, you know, when you were supposed to say that. All right, so last one. What is Whoopi Goldberg's real name? I learned something. Oh, wow. It was Whoopi Goldberg. <laughs> um. Oh my goodness, I feel like I've heard it before. It's something like Sandra, or like a classic kind of easy no, name. No, it is classic. Um, That's with the C, actually. Um, and it's is it cat. Catherine or no? Close. Normally, this name would start with the K. Normally, this type of name, but it starts with the C. Uh, the initials Katie. are C. What you say, Katie? What you say, Katie? Let me let me listen. Go ahead. Let, go ahead. Finish what you were saying. No, no. I was uh, the initials are CJ. Normally, and the last name is very common. Very common for a last name, especially for a black family. And the first name is pretty common. Um, but it normally would be. Uh, a K. It wouldn't normally be a C. Um, okay, so it, let me let me try let me try the last name first. 
Is it Jenkins or Jefferson? It's one of the other ones. That's very common for us. Um, Jenkins, Jefferson. Um, not Jones, but the other one. Two Johnson? Yeah. That's the last one. Okay. Okay. The first name is usually starts with a K, but with, it's with a C. Carol? No. Carol doesn't start well, you, with a K. Well, you get in there with the sound. Carol. Karen. Yeah. <laughs> she okay. spells it okay. so it's C-A-R-Y-N Karen oh. is Whoopi Goldberg's real name isn't that something you learn oh, something wow. you learn something new every day well I have to say thank you so much one of the things that I do with all of my guests before I let them go is I pray with them one of the things that sets my podcast apart is that I believe in fusing the kingdom with the culture just kind yeah. of having that you know kind of uh, atmosphere. A lot of people mm-hmm. are afraid of interviews because it's like gossipy and like even when publicists ask me to send questions, I don't have a problem with that because I don't really mm-hmm. care about you because there's a hundred other outlets that have your business all on it but I care right. about your spirit and you know, I care about mm-hmm. the art craft and what I can learn from you um, and hopefully I'm able to also you know, leave something with you. So for me that's my goal this year is to pray for a hundred celebrities. Pray with, not for I could pray for you without you, but to pray <laughs> with <laughs> celebrities because i just think like i said celebrities don't often get someone to offer them that without maybe going to church um yeah and so that's that's what we're gonna do now and if you're ready i'm ready okay heavenly father we just thank you for this time we thank you for this amazing interview and i just thank you for um aligning me and reagan and i believe that when you connect people it's for a reason whether it's for business or even just for personal i just thank you for this moment i thank you for um almost home and even um is it surviving yes yes Okay, for surviving. I believe that you gave her the vision for both of these shows and that you're going to do something with it. Sometimes, yeah, we take a step back and that's okay. But I truly believe that when we start something and you give us the idea and the seed and we we work it, um, you'll meet us where we are. So I just ask that you bring her the funding that she needs. If it is a certain producer or director out there or even a studio who is looking for the content that she has created. Um, sometimes what we create five years ago has a place in the industry now and so I believe you're going to open doors for her that no man can shut I thank you uh, for her just being an amazing mother and a wife I ask that you continue to give her wisdom um, on how to balance uh, those roles even without Hollywood being involved it's hard being a wife and a mother period so (laughs) I just thank you God that you're going to give her the grace and wisdom to do that thank you for I think I saw it was almost like 20 some years of marriage that's a good thing Um, and I ask that you continue Mm -hmm. to marriage and you know cover them um and i pray lord that they will continue to just keep you first and um have their children just the right tribe around them i thank you for the village that is around them whether it's an auntie or uncle or a friend that just is always there to support them and so i just ask that you continue to bless her creative endeavors her personal life um her family and i just thank you again for bringing us together in jesus name amen amen thank you so much my goodness Well, I feel amazing. I'm about to go out there and pick my kids up, and we are going to have an incredible rest of our day. Thank you so much, Maya. And and real quick, I just want to say, like, 
how proud I am of you um, with everything that you've been doing. And I am not really, I'm not the best prayer in my house. Actually, my husband and my eight-year-old are the best prayers in the house. But everything that you pray for, for me, I wish upon you as well with your content, with your new job. And I hope and pray that everything that you want to happen, everything that you desire for yourself, for your family, I hope all of that comes true and God puts the right people in your life to be able to make your dreams come true as well. Oh, well, thank you so much. That was amazing. Um, and, and, you know, I always tell people, people always swear I have this. And I, I did used to run a prayer call and all that. They swear I have like this uh, gift. And it is a gift. I, I have to thank God for that. But I tell That's people, right. It is. Yes. It is. But I'm like a prayer is a prayer for me. You know, I'm not one of those people mm-hmm. that if somebody just says, you know, God bless her, you know, I'm just happy because I am always praying right. for her. So when someone prays for me, no matter how short or whatever it is, I'm, I'm receiving. So I thank you for that. <laughs> thank you for even being proud of me um in this moment like i said we keep connecting we were supposed to write a book together but <laughs> i remember i sent you that synopsis i was like she's so busy she probably ain't even getting to it yet but i believe we'll work My and um, that's right let the people know where to follow you on instagram and twitter sure it's reagan gomez everywhere on twitter that's where i am most of the time sometimes i'm not really on instagram that much um but i have you know i'm i've obviously have an account there as well um also you can follow my podcast reaganomics podcast on soundcloud itunes stitcher we are also on spotify and i also have a patreon um where you know you guys get exclusive content on my patreon um uh yeah you can just type in reagan gomez patreon and my stuff should come up and if you can't you know on my twitter bio my patreon link is there and in my instagram bio my patreon link is there so yeah if you like the content we've been making and you want to donate um so we can continue to create um i'm working on a teaser trailer for the first film uh, for my first film that i will write and direct and i want to do like a three minute teaser trailer we have animation in it so if you want to send a few dollars you can do it to the patreon or you can do it through um our paypal which is a h as in almost home a h the series at gmail.com you can send us a few dollars on paypal that way um but yeah and you know maya i thank you so much for your prayers and for your listeners i listen i need all the prayers that i can get and you know i send that great energy those prayers right back to you all as well all right thank you so much i'll talk to you soon okay thanks bye-bye